In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we look at our workplaces and our relationships with the people there and even the health of our surroundings and just how much it does affect us. I share a short clip from Zig Ziggler on the importance of healthy relationships and from the message, I polled the Ziggler audience with this question. How are your relationships at your work and how do you feel they affect you for better and worse? Well, as Tom and I, Tom Ziegler, talked through the comments and people's testimonials, we also got into the literal environment of where we work, our office, our cubicle, even having things like windows nearby. And the point is just to bring to light the importance of having a healthy work environment, how it's absolutely affecting our performance. Uh, thanks as always to everyone who commented on my Facebook survey, as I often do every week for these type of discussions. And I invite you to join the conversation. Just find and friend me on Facebook at Agent K Miller. I'd be happy to have your feedback to these episode topics. Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is The Ziggler Show, a top ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. Zig Ziggler is famous for his be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person first. Then you must do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. Here we focus on you being the right kind of person to have the success you desire. In my What Drives You podcast, we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of being clear on just what is driving you. Then my True Life podcast, it's aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three podcasts in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you are new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit Ziggler.com, connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. A quick thanks to some show sponsors, then we're going to dive into this discussion on workplace health. How important are relationships? Dr. Dean Ornish, uh, in his book and uh, tapes, points out that he studied for 25 years. And he says your relationships actually are enormously important. He says love and intimacy are at the root of what makes us sick and what makes us well. What causes sadness and what brings happiness? What makes us suffer from what leads to healing? People who feel lonely and isolated have a three to 500% better risk of premature death from physical illness. He says your relationships are more important to your health than your exercise program and your diet. Also than your genes. So relationships are extremely important. And if we can build winning relationships, then we will have taken a huge step towards the success in life that so many people seek. As a matter of fact, though I don't personally do any counseling, I talk with a lot of counselors, psychologically, theologically, and physiologically. And they tell me that almost 100% of all of the counseling they do is because of relationship difficulties. Husband, wife, parent, child, teacher, student, employer, employee, neighbor, neighbor, sibling, sibling. I mean, Tom, it seems a little bit elementary to say, hey, it matters, you know, the relationships in your work. But it feels like so many things, the norm has gotten to be, it's normal for there to be tension and there to be animosity and there to be conflict. And we joke about it and watch, you know, goofy sitcoms where everybody is really exaggeratedly odd. And, uh, you know, it's funny to, to look at the exaggerations, but it's not so funny when we're sitting in it. So I wanted to hear from real folks about what their work environment was like, how it was affecting them. And, you know, being self-employed, I mean, you're at Ziggler and I would think, you know, it's always been perfect there, but I'm sure there's been a time when you've had somebody who, you know, you didn't foresee that you hired, you brought in and, and realized, okay, it's a little difficult working with them. And as you're thinking about that, I, I did when I came in here. So about six years ago, when I joined my business partner, Dr. Randy James, my co-host on the True Life Show and our doctor, 
yours and mine. And I came into his office to help him transition his practice out of an insurance model. So I came in and he had a somewhat of a traditional medical practice. Okay. He's an MD. They're bringing, you know, people are coming in for acute stuff and whatever. Now he's trying to do functional medicine and it was difficult because you can't do that in the normal insurance model, right? You can't come in and do a 10 minute quick in and out and really get to the root issue of things, which is what he wanted to do. And that's why he brought me in and we took him into a membership model cash pay. And that's what he does today. And he's been doing for a long time. But at that time he was so overburdened. His business was, was running customer service wise and the practice really poorly because he was just stretched trying to get to root issues with people in, in not enough time. And he was making hiring decisions, just whatever. If somebody doesn't show up, you know, call in a temp, put somebody in there. And long story short, when I came in, he had some people in here who were not the most inspiring people. And it was the first time I'd really had to deal with that front and center. Now it didn't last long. We, we cleaned house pretty quickly, actually not quick enough. I should say, because we tried to help and we tried to do some things. And man, it was difficult. So it was my first time of actually coming into a work environment with people that were a strain, a drain. However, I'm not going to say there were bad people necessarily, but they were difficult. They did not have inspiring, positive attitudes. And that's all I had been used to for the most part, because I had you know picked my uh, people I worked with because I'm self-employed. I got to do that. So I, I experienced that. I can't imagine people who have to go into that every day. And and I don't say that in a negative, you know, uh, uh, dissing those those folks too, because some of you, it's, it's, you're, in a, you're in a hard place. You don't know how to get out of that and what to do about it. You don't have control. So I have sympathy and compassion is my point. But I want to talk about, yeah, just how much it does weigh on you, how important it is, and hopefully we can give some ideas and things, some things to do about it. But what about you, Tom? You know, I've been privileged to work uh, at our company ever since college. And but I have had the opportunity to go in, gosh, I don't know, if not thousands, high hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies. And one of the things, and, and this is a big, I mean, we've talked about it before on the show, 27% of the people are going to find a new job this year. 46% are looking. Yeah. Uh, Three million moms are probably not going back to work. And a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere of where they are working. Yeah. You know, why go to a place? One of the, one of the challenges, those are people who are working from home uh, today. One of the biases is that we've always measured work performance by time in the seat. You know, if I can see you, you must be working. And of course, uh, highly motivated people who are focused on growing, who want to produce the best product. Uh, the calendar and the clock don't matter that much. They just no. get it done, right? They just do it. And if you want to off put them, if you want to irritate them, if you want to make them mad, then ask them to check in, ask them to attend, attend meetings that don't really matter. Ask them to fill out paperwork that doesn't help the team or themselves be more productive. It's more of a, you know, I just need to make sure you're working kind of environment. Uh, and so when you have, and this is another thing that we know is true uh, in family owned businesses, the lowest performing um, uh, family member in that business is going to be the standard by which all other people work to. <laughs> so, and then there's another uh, thing that's interesting in a non-family run business, the lowest performer in that uh, organization that gets away with it, that's eventually going to be the standard by which everyone works. Yeah. And so when you find a, uh, a toxic environment or you find an environment that's, that's not uplifting, not fun to be around, not self-motivating, not growth orienting, and you have leadership, and there's two ways the leadership can go. The leadership can be so overwhelmed just trying to keep up that they don't have the bandwidth to pay attention and they haven't put in a leader who cares like they do to handle that or they don't care. They look at people as just uh, interchangeable parts. Uh, those are those are the two directions it goes. So in the new world, and I'll say the post-pandemic world, just, just to kind of put a line in the sand, 
top performers, they're looking for growth oriented uh, organizations that recognize a job well done. They love a lot of flexibility, a lot of freedom, uh, but they also don't mind being held accountable for deliverables. They don't, they, they love it because if I'm responsible for delivering something, that probably means I'm going to get recognized when I do. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing. Um, but it's a, the, the world in general, unfortunately, dealing with so many different companies that we've dealt with, a lot of people don't have any connection between what they do to earn money and the purpose and value and, and the why behind their life. They don't see any connection in that. And when there's not a why driving what you do every day on the job, you're going to coast as much as the organization will let you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you said is just gigantic. I hope people hear that, rewind it and listen to it again. It's just something that we don't consider generally going into our place of work. You know, Jeff Bayless here, he was our first responder on the question. He said, all relationships affect you in one way, shape or another. This amplifies the idea of choosing your tribe. And to think about that, we've, you know, tribe has become a popular word in the past, I don't know, five, 10 years about workplace environment and social groups and whatever, having your tribe. And to think about that, to think about your work environment, the place that you're going to earn a dollar, do something is your tribe by proxy. It is, is literally, I'm choosing this as my tribe. And we don't think about that. Again, we think about the money, the position, the role, the status, uh, the benefits, whatnot, and don't think about who we're going to sit down next to. And of course, 30, 60, 90 days into a job, that's about all we care about. And that trumps everything else. So I just had this acutely happen, Tom, my two, I think I've talked about this recently on a show, but I'll reiterate it. Two boys, 16 and 15 year old boys that I've got, got them summer jobs. And we looked at some different opportunities. Ultimately, they chose the one that paid the least. It was the furthest away for them to, uh, for them to drive and they didn't have any idea how to do the job, you know, the, the role, which is, it's mainly in in a kind of the cooking kitchen area for a big camp, uh, a lot of camps up here in the mountains. And they did it though, because of the environment and they are so stoked. They're learning. They like the people that they work with. They're inspired about it. Again, making the least amount of money. They got to drive like 40 minutes to get there. And when you look at, they're driving one of my old trucks, the amount of gas, I don't know that they're ever going to make a profit this year. I don't care. It was for the experience. You can't get a lot of job opportunities at their age. And, and they're also doing other things, farmer's market and doing some self-employed type things. But I wanted them just to experience something else, a different environment. And I want to implant that in them. It's more important where they work than the specifics of the pay and the benefits and, and whatever. Uh, it's so important. But again, we don't do that. I've got another son, Caleb, who you know, uh, who's learned that. He's now, he just moved to Florida. He's got a job and just loves the people that he works uh, with, loves what the company is about. It's a hospital organization, loves what it's about. Um, but we did have some people who chimed in here. This is a fun one. Amy Moore. Uh, she says, I have an amazing wingman. I couldn't do my job without her. I love doing life with her and her joyful extroversion pushes me out of my introvert bubble. Oh, Kevin, and you're married to her. So this is my wife, Terry, works with, with them. They work at Gibson Institute for Cognitive Training. That's the parent company over Learning RX, which is a, it's a franchise across the country. And they do cognitive training. Uh, Learning RX is known for doing it with kids, but they, the company does it a lot with, uh, they work a lot with dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. And they do, they work so well together. Amy and uh, Terry, Amy's a doctor and Terry does a lot of the research with it. And they just have fun. It's like girls time. They get to go in, you know, away from their families and come in and have girls time. How incredible. It reminded me, I get to come in every day uh, that I come into the office and Dr. Randy James, my, one of my dearest friends, he's here. We don't work uh, a lot. He's doing doctoring and, and doing his thing. And I'm over here doing podcasting and writing. Uh, but every, you know, we see each other passing. He'll walk in here sometimes say, Hey, can I borrow a minute? Or, or borrow a dollar, he'll say a lot of times because uh, time is money. And I'll do the same thing. We'll have lunch together, sit out in the deck and just catch up on what's most important. And it may be sharing an issue at home with you know spouse or kids, or it may be a work thing or sharing what 
exciting thing we did over the weekend or, or whatnot. And again, what a gift. I do not take it for granted. And again, the point is having compassion uh, for those who don't experience that. Andrew Hoffer here says, I have three awesome employees. The wheels wouldn't turn without them. They truly are uh, a blessing. And Tom, you get to do that again. As a, obviously as a business owner, I, well, and we could turn the tables on that as a business owner here, you're looking for an employee and you're saying, look, these, this is what I need done. You know, I need somebody who knows this type of a role. They have some experience here, which is what we're used to seeing on the resume must have X, Y, Z experience, X, Y, Z education must have X, Y, Z, whatever it doesn't usually say, and must be really fun to work with must have a really positive, uplifting spirit. I mean, I've never seen that. Of course, I don't go out and look at resumes, but never seen that. But you get to hire for that. And one of the reasons I'm sure why you feel like you've been, yeah, as you said, privileged because you're hiring, obviously, for the spirit of Ziegler. But how often as business owners, Randy violated that for a long time. He was just churning and burning. Uh, and now he has, you know, employees like you do, Tom, who are the spirit of the company. And so he's hiring uh, for character first, and we'll teach the details if we have to. Absolutely. And that is uh, the majority of small business owners that we work with. They always look to hire attitude. They're like, if I can add higher attitude and character, then I'll teach them everything else that, that needs to be done. Right. That that's the easy part. Uh, you know, the skills that go along with it. But that work ethic, that drive, that um, empathy to see when somebody needs a helping hand, that personal responsibility, you know, it reminds me of a story dad used to tell when he was a little boy, uh, he was working for uh, a man named John R. Anderson, who I'm named after, and he was in the grocery store. And another man in town, um, I think it might have even been in a similar business, had asked, uh, you know, tried to hire dad. And, and I don't remember what it was, but it was like he was going to make a nickel or a dime more a day. And that was a lot of money. It was back a lot then. back then. Yeah. It was a lot of money back then, especially when you're nine or 10 years old. And he came home uh, to his mom and said, Mama, you know, I have this opportunity. I want to go work there. And she basically said, No. She said, You know, you, you can't do a good deal with a bad guy. I, I don't, you know, I've only heard certain things about this other person, nothing directly. So I can't really speak to it, but I know the character of Mr. Anderson. <laughs> so you're staying there. And that's what he did. And then of course at Ziegler, we, we teach a, we call it the performance formula. And the performance formula is really attitude times effort times skill equals performance. And so what does that mean? It means that an outstanding uh, person is going to have the right attitude. They're going to have an incredible amount of effort, you know, work hard, work smart. And their skill is constantly going to be developing, right? They're going to learn something new. They're going to apply it. They're going to grow and they're going to go to that next level. But we always start with attitude. It's attitude times effort times skill. But the corporate world, except for a few notable exceptions, they do it backwards, they hire somebody, they make yeah. sure that they train them the skills, then they tell them how much to do. And then when they don't do it or something goes wrong, they hit them over the head with attitude. <laughs> and I've just always laughed at myself because why do you do that? Why do you, why not work on the attitude component first? Because with the right attitude, the right character, the right integrity, that person is going to take it upon themselves to take responsibility for the effort and the skill. And of course, in a, in an environment where we're working with a team, as soon as you get a negative attitude, as soon as someone on the team starts poisoning others, then you get uh, just a huge impact. And it's, it's far more costly to the company to let them to continue to work with that negative attitude than it would be even to send them home with pay. Well, Tom, and we, you know, Randy and I, uh, Dr. James, we, we learned that the hard way because we really had a heart for these folks that were some of his employees and at the front desk and MAs and whatnot had a heart for trying to help them. And they, you know, well-meaning, well-meaning people, but so difficult to really get them to come up in attitude. And it was so hard for us to fire them 
you know, for not having that. And to, cause we wanted the chance to help them better themselves. And I finally had somebody say, guys, you are like that. You are, you're killing your environment overall. Uh, you need to let these folks go. And that's, that's a hard call, especially when you want to love and serve people well. But we learned, uh, we learned the hard way, but not that it's a black and white. Obviously everybody's got to got to make their uh, decision on people and who they want to invest in to grow and who they need to uh, let go and bring somebody in who's more appropriate, you know, for the role. Uh, you know, we got another one here, Renee Schultz. She says, I'm self-employed, but my real estate license is held by a real estate brokerage and they are the best in St. Louis. The owners care about their clients and realtors. The staff also helps us prepare listings and have information and continued training. So we stay abreast of the market changes and laws and procedures. I am blessed. I see great stories. I know you work with a lot of realtors, Tom, and I do see a lot of the real estate offices who've gotten that or or franchises who've gotten that uh, perspective of the spirit and the attitude is so important. And I know a lot of, I've got a friend in real estate and he's gone to a lot of the real estate conferences and they see more and more these days on the spirit and the attitude and personal development and personal growth. Then they're not teaching, you know, how to sell a house. You, You can, you can figure that, you can figure that out. That's, you know, back to Zig's own story of not being that great at sales and uh, he knew how to sell. It wasn't until PC Merrill, you know, said, "Hey, I've never seen such a waste. You could be one of the one of the greats." Where the person arrived, and he believed in himself. So so often, yeah, it's it's not the skills and abilities. Yet, Tom, I you know, you talk about that, and I'm still used to seeing a lot of businesses out there who are putting out res or putting out job openings, and they list, "We need somebody who does X, Y." Z and they're not asking about character and they're missing out on somebody who would probably be far better at the job, but they would need to be taught how to do it. The details of it, man, they have the spirit and the attitude and I'll go to my sons. That's why they got the job that they did because of their character. And, you know, I, of course I vouched for that and, and opened the door for them. Um, but that's how they got it. And that's why all my kids have done so well in the jobs that they've had because of those soft skills that we soft skills now being called necessary skills of PR. Uh, it's the best thing that I can teach them. I didn't teach them how to be a doctor, how to do carpentry, how to fix a car. Uh, there's some things they can do some woodwork, but I didn't teach them a whole lot. I taught them how to be not what to do. You are listening to the Ziegler show and this episode on the power of healthy workplace relationships and environment for our performance and peace. Next, Tom Ziegler expounds on our business opportunity of generosity. Here are some great show sponsors who helped bring this episode to you. Then we'll get right back to it. Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And you know, it's just smart. Um, If we look at the way the world's going, I mean, the tech giants, whether it's Amazon or their direct competitors, They've got scale. They've got, you know, Walmart, you know, they got the price. Uh, Amazon, <laughs> the last two days we've ordered something at night and free 5 a.m. delivery. I mean, <laughs> that's nuts. Who, who does that? Yeah. Uh, and, and so here's the reality. Are, are, are we going to try to compete with that in the marketplace? No, we, we mm-hmm. you know, that's a long-term vision. That's a huge thing that that space is taken. So what can we compete with? Well, I love what Rabbi Lappin says. He says that opportunity seeks out the generous. So when we are generous with those around us uh, and we build that reputation as being generous, then this is what happens. Somebody will come to you and say, uh, or somebody will go and they'll say, hey, can you help me with this? And they're asking because they value you as a friend. They, 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 they know that you can do this or you know somebody who does. And if you turn them down, no, that's not my expertise. I'd love to help, but I really can't. Then they ask, well, who do you recommend? Well, the persons that that come to the top of your mind are not the savvy bottom line, maximize every dollar margin person, you know, who's a little bit greedy and a little bit self-centered. The people who you think of that you want to send a friend to are the generous people. Mm-hmm. The ones who, when you give the referral, 
they're going to love on whoever you send over. They're going to do what's right, no matter what. And, you know, maybe uh, the, the way we just go about carrying ourselves in the business world is, is the behavior that I'm exhibiting right now, the follow through that I provide, the, the, the tone and the character and the concern, is it referral worthy? Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, you know, after I meet with somebody, if somebody says, hey, you know, we just had five different events at Ziegler. Um, if somebody talked to one of those attendees, you know, this week or next week, and they said, hey, tell me about the event. Is what they're going to say to that person, is that going to encourage that other person? Hey, you need to come with me next time. Yeah. And, you know, you can have an amazing lineup of people, which we did. You know, we brought in a lot of great people, but you know what they remember? It's the one-on-one touch. Yeah. It's, it's the side conversation. It's them witnessing uh, somebody in our team serving someone else in the room. That's, that's what changes people. And here's the cool thing. Whatever business we're in, whether we're in an office or we're serving people out in the community or people come into a resale establishment, we all have the opportunity to win like that. Yeah. Seth Godin called it the scalability of trust. Simply this, are we scaling trust in every interaction? Yeah. And it's just the way human nature is. They're going to scale trust inside that business. The, the team members on that team are going to scale trust. They're going to be generous as much as the leadership is. Yeah. You know, Tom, um, a, a, an acute example of that, and I'm going to pick on Randy again, and he would, he would, uh, he would, he's publicly admits this, you know, with his practice, when it was, when it, before it was changing over, he would literally have people who would say, he, he saved my life. Dr. Randy James changed my life, saved my life. Uh, but they wouldn't refer him because of the spirit and customer service of the practice, which was a hard lesson for him here. Cause he was so focused on the person in front of him. He wasn't taking care of the practice at large. And this is, you know, many years ago, uh, but he was so focused there and here he is. And he changed, they had type two diabetes on insulin. And then they left X months later or not left, but you know, graduated and they did not have it anymore. They were not on medication. It was a, a life change. And he had so many stories like that. And yet found out they were not referring because they didn't like the feel at the front desk. They didn't like the wait time. They didn't like, again, all these customer service things. And that stopped. That, it caused attrition. It caused a lack of loyalty. It caused uh, yeah, them not referring to others. And when he changed that, it totally changed his business, even though his role stayed the same. He never changed it. He just didn't put as much gravity on what was happening out there. And how often do we see that Tom? There have been so many businesses that I have not been loyal to because of a bad experience, maybe just at the front desk, maybe just a phone call, just that attitude. And you can tell when you walk into a company within three seconds, sometimes not even that, just a glance, you can tell the spirit and realize, ah, no, or, oh my gosh, yes. And I have definitely done business with people, their product or service may have not been the best. I just enjoyed being with them. I use a mechanic right now. I don't know if he is the best in town. I don't know if he's the cheapest. I just trust him and we have a good rapport. That's it. That's why I go to him. And I, I, I don't go to one I had been to for a long time because of a bad experience my wife had there. Uh, and she just really soured her. And I just gave that you know credit and we went somewhere else. Um, so it's so tenuous. We've got to, to realize that the relationships and the trust. Well, I do want to share a couple that shared, you know, from the negative side too. Lori Adent. She says, I've been in many toxic work environments. My current one is healthy and fun. In the past, I've been accused of even being a racist, go figure, and also treated poorly by other staff. And I said, how has your performance changed from one place to another? She says, I've uh, been able to manage my emotions, my freakouts. Now that I know my fellow employees, I don't do well with unexpected stress. I mean, that being a, I, I appreciate that with Ziggler. You, you, you talk about Ziggler's being a family and that may be touchy feely for some people, you know, in a business environment, but why would it, it is a family? I mean, if you're in a business, if you have I, when my partnership with Randy, 
I said, man, it's, it's like a marriage. I mean, we are deciding to have trust with each other. We have to cohabitate. We've got to make decisions together. I mean, it is a, it is a marriage in so many ways. And if we looked at every business and even if you don't do, you know, hugs and, and act like the family at home, it is a family of sorts. And to realize that and people, you know, toxic work environments. I never even heard that term till it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And yet now again, we poke fun at it and I think we've allowed it to become somewhat of the norm. And I'm hoping that this show again, elevates the gravity. It, it does take a toll. It is difficult. I don't think I can overcome it, Tom. I'm, I'm so sensitive to personal relationships that if there are bad vibes, bad spirit, I don't think there's really any amount of money, any amount of opportunity. that's going to make me stick there for long. Now, again, I, am going to, uh, all honor to those people who are toughing it out to do what it takes to bring home, provide for yourself, provide for your family. But I would say that's not a long-term, that's not a long-term solution. That's a short-term solution. So if you're doing that now, Man, all power to you. You've got my honor and my respect. If you're still doing it six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now, I, I'm, I'm going to say that that's not a good decision. Right now, your side job is finding a different opportunity where you can be uh, connected with people that uh, kind of like the old, if you listen to a Christian music singer, to, uh, Toby Mac, uh, speak life that speak life, that bring life, that none of us deserves to be in an, in an environment that doesn't give that to us. And there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Bob Odin says, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. Oh, that's, that's, and that's an awesome thing. And I would tell people if, if you are in a difficult or toxic environment, uh, now is your time. I mean, <laughs> Put your resume out, put the word out that you're uh, a character driven, energetic. Uh, when you're around people, they get energy from you. You're a solution focused person uh, who loves to solve problems and serve whenever possible. And I, I promise you, there is there are plenty of places where you can land right now that's looking for that. And if you're a leader in a toxic environment, Get ready because it's about to get a lot worse because the people who are on the edge or your good people, they are leaving yeah. and they're going to leave quick because the opportunities are there. People have reset their expectations. It used to be, uh, Kevin, this is a realization over the last three or four weeks, just looking at all the, the trends that are going on. It used to be that I would trade my time for money and with that money, I would buy the stuff that I wanted. And the business would say, hey, you got problems, you figure it out on your own time. Mm -hmm. Now the transaction is different. Now I trade my time and my life and I want to, to, to be celebrated. I, I want to be recognized. I, I want to, to have a growth path put in front of me. And instead of trading my time for money to get stuff, what I value is balance in all areas of my life, my mental space, how my attitude, my physical life, my health, my spiritual life, my character and integrity, my family life. And, and so what, what's happening is people who feel like uh, that the environment is hurting other spokes on their wheel, they're looking. And so the definition of success has changed. The definition, and this is generalization, okay? So every area, every, every business is different. Every individual is different. But this is a general statement. The definition of success is trading my time to earn as much money as possible so I can get the stuff that I want. The new definition of success is so that I can have balance in all seven areas of my life because it's uncertain and the things that matter to me last for eternity. Yeah. And so I'm willing to give up the fame, fortune and prestigious job now to go find one that supports all that. But here's the crazy thing. When that is your core value, quality of life, when that's what you want as an, as an owner, if that's what you want and you start attracting people the same way, their performance goes up. They do more in less time. Uh, at our conference, we had Don Hobbs speak and, and he's the president of Success Magazine. President of Success. That's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want I that title. 
<laughs> but he he said a Jim Rohn quote in a different he, he said a quote I've probably I don't know how many times I've read it, but he said it in context with voice inflection. And I want you to hear what it what it was. He said this. You you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. Hmm. That's convicting. Whoa. Yeah. And and so if and 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 there's two challenges in that quote. The 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 first one is the obvious one. Hey, if I'm not attracting what I want, it's because I'm not the right person. I'm attracting who I am. And so that's a, that's a deep internal discussion. <laughs> the second one, and I'll put Randy in this care category is there's a lot of the right people who haven't defined what it is. That's the priority and, and have not been intentional about that. Yeah. Because as soon as, uh, as Randy got intentional, the whole place changed. Yeah. So you can be the right person and still have an environment around you that's not doing what it what it could and should be doing simply because you haven't made it the priority and been intentional about fixing it. So, but for most people, it's you're not, you know, you're attracting who you are. And that is a true thing. Um and so I would challenge people to, to dig into that. What does that mean? So now through the pandemic and the way work life balance has shifted a little bit, people now see what's possible and everything's changing. One of the things that's interesting is that we've had it backwards. Uh, there's a guy on Twitter that I follow. I don't know if I can find his name very quickly, but he said this, he said for, a hundred years, uh, our family has been asynchronous and our work has been synchronous, meaning that family was always on the edges and work was the priority. And so the people that we care the most about and want to do life with and who we have the most vested interest in, they fall on the fringes and, and work was in the center. We had it backwards. Now work is asynchronous, meaning people from all over the world are working at different times and different locations on projects together. And family is synchronous. Family's in the middle. That's the way it should be. Yeah. And there's a big shift going on in how people view that. And the crazy thing is, um, and I'll just, I'll just, as a believer, I'll just put this out there. Which one do you think God designed? Which one of those two? Is it supposed to revolve around our family and our faith, or is it supposed to revolve around our work? And let me ask you this. If it's supposed to revolve around our faith and our family, and we do that, do you not think that our work will be blessed at a different level? Yeah. Sounds like I a think, reap, reaping what you sow message. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see a huge productivity boom and because our as as humans, our unique advantage is our our intellect, our creativity, our brain, our collaboration, our ability to think out of the box and to innovate. And when we get really focused on how we can serve others and solve problems and do it from the heart and do it with character and integrity and love, and we value relationships and we celebrate those in our team. All of those things, all of those super high level cognitive things that make us unique, they get, they get amplified, they get accelerated. And that's a, that's a pretty cool place to be in. So when I talk about uh, the, the disruption we're going to see in the next five years is nothing compared to what we've been through. Not, you know, what we've been through is nothing compared to what we're going to see in the next five years. But I'm optimistic about it because I think we're going to see the possibility because, you know, one person can do so much. You get two or more working on something together, three or more, five or more. And but they're in that environment where, where we're supporting each other. We got each other's back. We're celebrating the growth. It's not one plus one equals two. You know, it's two times two times two. Yeah. Is what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. 
Tom, you talking about the, you know, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I, I just, I just wanted to hit on that because I think we can look at that and feel, uh, we could easily jump into a victim mentality with that. Hey, I'm not celebrated. You know, they're just tolerating and, and point the finger there, but back to attracting what you said, attracting who you are, you know, are you celebrating? And you said that to, to so many, uh, to some degree, Tom, are you celebrating others? Are you being that person celebrating uh, others as well? I know that I can in, in a, you know, in the right environment or the wrong environment, maybe I can just tolerate people. I just go about, keep to myself, tolerate people. I'm not celebrating them. And yet if I then turn and go, why am I not being celebrated? Well, I'm just tolerating them as well. So, you know, we got to look at that and be honest. Now I say that now you can also go in with great intent and celebrate and celebrate and celebrate in some environments you are not going to lift. Like you said, Tom, if they're you know negative enough, it's going to bring everybody down to that level. So you, folks, you got to balance that. There's no black and white answer. You've got to discern where you are, but you know, be aware of and cognizant of your own spirit are you celebrating or tolerating those the people around you? Uh, but then also be aware that sometimes it may be toxic enough or negative enough that you need to go you need to go elsewhere. Uh, so that's one that I think calls us all to awareness. I got a couple interesting ones here, Tom, that I wanted to hit on. Amber Hendrickson, you talked about family businesses a minute ago. And she says, I know Amber, known her for a while. She says, it can be hard because I work with my significant other all day, every day. We hardly get a break from each other. Uh, they run a food truck, real, a real uh, successful food truck. Uh, she says, maybe one night a month, if that, they get a break from each other. Otherwise, we're always together, which is great most of the time because I love spending time with him. But when we have a personal issue, it bleeds into our work day, our work issues arise and it bleeds into our personal lives. We really don't have a way to draw a line between the two since our business is based out of the house and we never really leave work. We have a friend helping us some days and have tried hard to keep any issues in check. So he isn't negatively impacted. He has told us many times he loves coming to work because he enjoys his time spent with us and his pride in the product, which has been a good motivator to remember that we all can affect each other very easily. It doesn't have to be just about families uh, necessarily, Tom, I guess, but I, you know, I, I will speak to that. So nepotism, that's the word. I, I actually got into that word from Ken Blanchard. Uh, Ken Blanchard, most people know him, and he is, he is a proponent, an advocate of nepotism, of uh, families working together and bringing family, family members into the business. And obviously, Tom, you've done that. I mean, my gosh, hasn't, I think all, all you kids have worked in Ziegler, you know, with your dad and now run uh, the place as well. I mean, my dad, I worked with him some, uh, my sister pretty much runs his business overall. So we see this, I have my daughter, you have, you've had your daughter working with you. I've got my daughter, uh, one of my daughters working with me as well. But that said, you gotta, you gotta look at the personalities. My wife and I did work together at one point, And then at one point decided, I don't know if that's best for us. Uh, we are very opinionated. We're very, we have similar styles and it wasn't always the, the most healthy thing for our relationship. And so for the most part, we don't do that. Now we do a lot together and share things, but don't officially, uh, work together. Uh, and so I want to give that out there. And you know, just because you're married and may have a great marriage may not mean that you work well together or should work together. Just because you have kids doesn't mean that you should hire them, but maybe, you know, maybe you can, but balance that. And I just appreciate Amber being open that it can, there's, there's good and bad. We've had a lot of people on the show that work together. We've just recently had Mark Victor Hansen and uh and his wife crystal that work i mean constantly uh together and it's doing you know doing really well but i know plenty of other people who they don't do that they enjoy having separate lives like my wife she works in cognitive research that's not my air i don't know what they i don't understand half the published scientific papers that they do i try to read them and give some kudos to them but i don't know what they're talking about so above my my pay grade in that area and i love that she has that pursuit and i have have mine and she respects that. But uh, family business, Tom, as you know, I mean, can be glorious, but it's, it's like everything. There's pros and cons. There's tensions that come with that. And I think we all need to go in with open eyes uh, with that. And uh, I, again, I appreciate Amber's honesty in that and that they're making it work, but also open about the struggles. 
Yeah, just just a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, just from a personal relationship, you know, I love uh, the five love languages and I love boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, my question would be about the food truck business, you know, is the dream to expand it to two food trucks and three food trucks and five food trucks and, you know, maybe a, uh, a regular business, or is this, is this just kind of, this is all we want, you know, we just love doing this type of business together. And if let's just say your goal is expansion, uh, to hire people in, you know, to maybe franchise or do something, something like that. One of the cool things about the business systems that we teach is that when you, when you systemize a business, it takes a lot of uh, the anxiety, the worry, the stress out of relationships, because we're no longer having a difference of opinion against each other. We're now co-creating a system on how we're going to do something. And then one person says, Hey, I think we can improve the system this way. And then the other person could say, well, what do you got? And then they say it, well, now you can test it. You can try it and you can, you can just say, yeah, let's, let's do that for 30 days. Let's see what happens. And let's let the system tell us this is really, really good. Uh, in, in established business where, where kids are coming in, and they have totally different skill sets than the founder. Yeah. And they have different personalities. There's no way the kid, I mean, it's like me. There's no way that I can do what dad did as far as his, his public presentations and the stage and all those things. If I tried to do that, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, and it's not right or wrong. It's just different skills, different gifts. Well, when you create a system and you've got a system that's running and working, and somebody, a family member, or even somebody else comes in and says, hey, I've got an idea. Then you just sit down and say, hey, I want to hear your idea. Let's figure out where it goes in the system. And if it looks like it's an improvement, let's test it. And so that will take a lot of stress out of that. We have a saying at Ziegler, um, process takes pressure off the person. So when you tell a founder, hey, I've got an idea, what they might hear is, oh, you don't like the way I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets personal really quick. When you have a system and you walk in and say, hey, I have a way where we can tweak the system, maybe improve it a little bit. Well, that's giving credit for everything that the creator of that system put in place. And saying, hey, let's let's turn it up a notch. And and with the system, you've got results already, so you know what it's been doing, so you can amplify that. And that's what we teach in business is that you can, whether it's a marketing system, a sales system, an operations system, a leadership system, doesn't matter. You can put systems in all areas. Well, and I'll say right there, Tom, you talk about process and systems that not specifically just focus on the family issue or the family dynamic. But when we look at that in any environment, who you're working for and what you're working with, I, as a business owner, as an employer, I am not great with processes and systems. And I had my daughter last week telling me, and it was actually in relation to, to my boys and some feedback she had said, she's daddy, you're so, you know, they need, they need more steps. They need more structure. They need to know how to do what to do, whatever. And she says, I know you're not so good with that. I said, I know that's why I hired you. Cause she's good at me just saying, I tend to hire people and I'll pay, I have to pay more for it, but I have to hire people and say, look, this is the result I want you figure it out and create a process so that then if you you know leave, somebody else can come along and do it. So I, I pay for that and I have to pay more because I'm not good at that. I'm good at saying, hey, here's the result I want. You figure it out. If you need to know the step-by-step, I'm not your guy, which is hard as a father to be that way across the board. So I have to ebb and flow and deal with that. But, you know, again, a good for us, a good for us all to look at who we're working with, how they run. Is it something that fits you? But as an employer, as a parent, uh, to realize that our style may differ from our kids' styles. Um, Tom, I want to I land on one here, end on one that really goes even past relationships, just into our work environment overall. So Brian Lynchard just really openly shares here. He says, I changed jobs about a year ago. Uh, it is so very different. I have my own office now, but I am away 
from everyone else. And, and I'm going to say this now, ta- Brian didn't talk about this, but this has, this relates to a lot of people and, co- and during the pandemic, this has happened to them. So I'm away from everyone else to make it worse. The office is windowless. I'm in outside sales, but this new job is different in that regard as well. With this job, I don't really have to go out and see people as much. So I'm stuck in the windowless office quite a lot. This has been a struggle for me. Also, for many reasons, my contact with friends and people outside of work has been less over the past year or so. All of that combined has slash is taking a toll on me. Well, you know, that's the other side. You talked about some of the good things Tom, from the pandemic of making people more family centric, more results centric. And I, I would say those are good, but obviously we've had a lot of people who have struggled with the distancing from other people from, uh, you know, not everybody was stoked to, to be working from home. I mean, some people that was the best thing ever. Some people it was terrible for my wife. I mean, she loved, you know, she's a, she's at home a lot with kids. She loved that day. It was usually two days a week that she would go to the office she would go and just be Terry. She's off. She's working. She's in a professional environment, talking with adults and talking about, you know, complex things. She loved that, that break away from the kids. And then she lost it and is working from home. So not everybody had a great thing. I was one of the ones I saw some funny memes about, you know, uh, something to the effect of I'm obviously an introvert because the pandemic didn't change anything for me work-wise. It's pretty much what I do uh, anyways. But for a lot of people, it was so difficult. So not only with relationships, but even the work environment itself. And it reminded me, Tom, of a movie that I had seen and I liked and uh, my family got it for me. Old movie with Tom Hanks called Joe versus the Volcano. You ever seen that one? I saw it a long time ago. It's such a fun. We will, every once in a while we'll watch it. Uh, it's got, uh, I think it's Meg Ryan and she plays like four different roles in it. And it's just, uh, it's just such a, the movie starts off and it's like a dark comedy and he goes to this work in the basement of this nasty factory. And of course they exaggerated it all, uh, exaggerate all of it. And it's dark and, you know, blinking fluorescent lights and bad coffee. And when the boss isn't looking, he brings out this little kind of like a Hawaiian tiki lamp. And I think it even plays some music and he puts that out. Of course, the boss sees him. He says, get that thing off your desk. But he's trying to put any shred of light. They even make it really black and white and dark. But this little lamp is his light. And it goes through, of course, this really big change. It's uh, a funny but exaggerated and, and depiction of the sadness of some of us in our work environment. So with Brian talking about, you know, a windowless office, I, I literally that pains me, Tom. I can't imagine I, I, I cannot imagine it would be so, I have such an aversion to a lack of light and to, you know, uh, unnatural light as well. And that's important. So for all of us to think about the relationships we have, uh, at work. And so he's missing people. Whereas I can be inundated with people. I need solitary, you know, solitude time. Now I'm, I'm grateful to get both. But the work and the the actual environment of your office, does it inspire you? The place where you sit down and spend whatever it is, three, six, eight, ten hours a day. And now some people may have manual labor. And, you know, I see some of these guys out working on the interstate and it's 100 degrees and they're out there doing this monotonous work. I think, man, that's really difficult. Now, maybe some of them like it. Maybe they think, man, look at, I get to be outside all day. I see a hundred thousand people driving by. It's great. And somebody else is going, this is, this is the worst thing ever. It depends on it's no, again, no black and white, right or wrong, but does your work environment back to that bring you life or not? If it does not, that's really hard. So obviously, you know, what can you do? And we could sit here and have a whole list, Tom, of things you can do to brighten your environment. We see that even in cubicle land up in the high rise where somebody has a little office and they have, you know, some pictures of their family and they have some mementos and maybe they're allowed to listen to music or put some earphones in, you know, what are those things that you can do? And I do all of those things uh, to where I've created, I don't know how I could make my office. And actually, if I had a glass office out in the middle of the woods and could still get internet. I, that'd be tempting, but, uh, it's really important how the day to day, think about it as those day to day deposits from the relationships in your work environment to actually how you have your work environment orchestrated and structured. And is it inspiring? Does it bring life? 
And again, man, compassion and kudos to those of you who are making it happen in the worst of environments, but to get the most out of yourself, it's just vital that you are in a life giving environment overall, Tom. I don't know a better way to say it than that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I would also uh, give a little bit of encouragement. You know, dad said this, he said, you don't have to like everything you do. Yeah. And he gave a ton of examples like, you know, he worked out because it allowed him to do everything he loved to do even better. It wasn't because all he could think about was working out. It was because the workout allowed him to do his purpose, his why more effectively and more efficiently. We had a, a, a Ziegler Speakers Institute last week and one of the guys in the class had been in the financial investment industry. And, and part of his job was to make 300 calls a day. It's a lot of Now calls. that sounds- uh, That sounds untenable. It, it sounds unbearable to me. Yeah, I can't imagine. And he said he worked 12 hours a day, five days a week. Wow. And then six hours on the sixth day. So 66 hours. And there was another man who had the same exact job in the office and that, that other person uh, made high, high, high six figures, almost seven figures. And he worked eight hours a day, five days a week, same exact job. And he goes to him and he says, what do you do? And he says, watch me. And he basically had seven envelopes on his desk. And each, or folder, I should say, and each folder had his next action that he needed to do. And the first folder was the couple hundred calls to that were the, which were the hard calls, the people you don't know, right? Hundred calls equals, you know, four or five conversations, that kind of a deal. And he said, my second folder is the fun calls. Those are the revenue calls. Those are the ones where we're in a relationship and he says, I have everything that way. And he said, I just do it. I, I just do the calls and I celebrate when I get done with file folder one and I move to two. But he had broken out his responsibility based on his own energy so that he could create energy throughout the day, knowing that doing the things that were hard to do allowed him to do all the things he loved to do. And he guarded his time. He would not let any distractions or distractions, any interruptions, any interference in his process to the point where other people in the building were like, what's going on with that guy? And then they realized, wait a second, he's got a balanced life. <laughs> he's making four or five times more than everybody else. His customers love him. He's getting tons of referrals. So he created a system that worked for him. And so I don't want you to hear from the podcast. If your job has components of it that you don't like, you should go find another job. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. If you're in a toxic environment because of the people and the way you're treated and the way uh, your goals and dreams don't line up with the organization, that's a different story. We're not saying that there are certain jobs and roles out there that have tough components to it but you need to put those tough components into context of how doing those efficiently and effectively allow you to achieve your why, then you'll have the energy to get through it and you should have the discipline to do what you need to do when you need to do it. So the day will come, you can do what you wanna do when you, need to, when you wanna do it, right? That's what it's about. And so let's be really clear. There are toxic environments that none of us uh, if we care about ourselves, we, we would tell our enemy, you need to get out of there. That's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. If that's the place you're in, I'm telling you, now's the time to go find home because there are lots of places looking for you right now. But if, on the other hand, if you're in a career that you love, but there's parts of it that are hard, take ownership of it and organize it in such a way that you can do like that guy did. So he had his, he had a, a ton of money and a lifestyle too. If you ever trade uh, lifestyle for money, it's a bad, bad trade. If you ever trade family for money, it's a bad trade. If you ever trade health for money, it's a bad trade. For mental, mental wellness for money, it is a bad trade. 
Tom, I, I, I let's end right there. I'm going to use your statement there. You said some people working in places you wouldn't want your enemy to work, but to literally think about the place where you work, the environment, the relationships, back to that focus. The relationship. If you're in a place where you wouldn't want your kid to work or your spouse or your mom or dad, and you're there, I would say that's not a place for you long-term. Either do the work you can to change the environment, which is difficult, possible, but difficult. Think about your own responsibility in that. But my goodness, uh, we all deserve to be in a place, the world deserves for you to be in a place that brings you life so we can get the best out of you. Tom, I'm grateful to uh, count you as one of my work relationships. I, know. I, I enjoy my time with you. I'm such a gift. We always have a blast. We always have a blast. You're the greatest host in all the land. And I get to listen to the wisdom of the ages from Tom <laughs> Ziegler. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks again to everyone who commented on my Facebook survey. Again, join the conversation. Just friend me on Facebook at Agent K. Miller. I'd love to hear your perspectives. Coming up in episode 902, I bring you the success habits of Shanti Feldhahn, my guest in episode 900, where we dug into the roots of what will and won't give us joy. Along with Shanti's personal habits, I take advantage of the opportunity and have her discuss some of the overall habits for all of us that create joy. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.